1: on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo, CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gilda's Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 170 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. As CEO of the Cancer Support Community, I have the opportunity to speak with a lot of people facing cancer across the country, around the world, uh, patients and and, and their caregivers and loved ones, and one subject they always tell me they would like more information about is nutrition. And research conducted by our Research and Training Institute in Philadelphia tells us the same, uh, that folks really want more information on this topic, and that's why I'm thrilled to have with us today oncology nutritionist Rachel Beller. Known as America's Get Real Nutritionist, Rachel is a registered dietitian nutritionist who specializes in breast cancer nutrition. She serves on the professional advisory board and is a featured spokesperson for the Cancer Support Community Benjamin Center in LA, as well as being a board member for numerous other health organizations rachel's a two-time best-selling author who frequently appears on television and print and online she's been on good morning america the doctor Oz show cnn abc world news tonight just to name a few and uh, prior to founding the beller institute in 2007 rachel conducted research on the role of nutrition in breast cancer prevention at cedar sinai medical center and john wayne cancer institute at providence st john's health center for over a decade. At Beller Nutrition, she provides nutritional advice to people from all walks of life. And I think everyone can see why I'm excited uh, for Rachel to be with us on the show today. Welcome, Rachel.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Pleasure. Um, it's, it, there's so much for us to talk about today. We're, I think we're going to be hard-pressed <laughs> to get through my list here, Rachel. Um, and you have such deep knowledge. Um, but let, let me just jump right in and get started, Rachel. Um, people come to you at different points in their cancer journey. Can you talk to us a little bit about sort of the mindset and maybe the needs of someone who's still sort of in active treatment versus somebody who has completed their treatment and then in their post-treatment sort of survivalship phase?
2: Yes, um, the mindset is very, very different. At the beginning of the treatment or during treatment, it's um, it's about finding, look, it's about sorting through a lot of, of advice that comes from different places, and I think they're all well-meaning places. Um, it could be friends, colleagues who have, you know looked on the internet and found something that might be over-promising or, you know, take these supplements or do this or my friend did that and it's a confusing time uh, to sort through what's real, what's evidence-based and what's going to be helpful or harmful. Um, The mindset of somebody undergoing treatment also is one that um, is being directed by the oncology team. Uh, You're showing up to appointments, you're directed to take certain medications, hydration, um, you're really part of a system, and, and it's, it's all moving. And um, you're also dealing with symptom management. So what's in front of you right there? Um, so th- there's a lot going on, and that's a mindset that is um, once you settle in a little bit to what to expect from the treatments, and and the team is on board, um, you're you're directed. Now yeah. post treatment is a very different mindset because now. You're the driver. A lot of patients tell me they're actually, it's it's such such a high, such a celebration to complete treatment, but then a lot have expressed that it's also a very frightening stage for them. They're happy, but they're kind of bummed at the fact that they don't have these directives. Like do this show up here it's like well, what do i do now uh, now yeah. i'm the navigator you know and yeah, yeah. where's my you know you're familiar with the ways app it's like now you're ways you know it's <laughs> like you really yeah. you're you're it like how do you, how do you do this and it's a very very different mindset and one and they both need direction from uh, your oncology team
1: yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. And I know that, uh, you know, I know that that varies whether there's a nutritionist or a dietitian on the oncology team in the place where you're being treated available. Is it covered by insurance? You know, I know there are, there's a lot of questions that people confront yeah. in trying to get some of that um, uh, advice and expertise. Um, I, I know, Rachel, that, that our research here at the Cancer Support Community has shown that uh, something that's referred to as sort of unintended weight loss, right? So people mm-hmm. just losing weight, some wasting issues, trying, you know, trying to maybe keep the, keep the weight up. Um, it's a concern for many patients, especially when they are um, in treatment, but, uh, but you know, yeah, I'm sure that sort of eating pints of ice cream is not maybe the best strategy for maintaining a weight when you can't keep that healthy Uh, weight on what are some of your recommendations um during that time when frankly maybe somebody doesn't have an appetite nothing tastes good and it could be for physical and, and frankly even emotional reasons
2: oh absolutely unintentional weight loss and unintentional weight gain both both happen it depends what the treatment plan is and and both are possibilities but for unintentional weight loss it's hard i mean you're you're looking for your mind immediately goes to okay what's fattening, what, you know, people are pushing, like you mentioned, ice cream and things like that. But then Mm -hmm. these days we've come so far with our uh, nutrition and and what we know about what yields a good return for your health from the foods that you're choosing to eat. And my advice to my patients is to find low volume foods that have a high caloric value that -hmm. are still going to nourish your body and give you, give you, um, a good feeling. You're going to feel uh, that it's supporting your health. Things like um, first things that I do is I actually don't interrupt the flow of the meals because there's a lot going on. So I'm saying, okay, let's focus on your in-between bites. Like what what can we add that's that's low vo- uh, you know low volume, high calorie. So it could yeah. be. Uh, A granola that you make, and it doesn't have to be the cookie kind of granola. It could be something that, you know, has a low sugar count. Um, If you're tolerating nuts and seeds, combining that with no sugar added dried fruit that you can find anywhere um mm-hmm. things like that that a couple handfuls will yield 500 calories those are things that are that are good and they're balanced and they keep your blood sugars at bay and it's good um then we look at high calorie add-ons for meals so for example um you could add 2 tablespoons of tahini on your food or use it it's like a dressing like a sauce um, that you can find, and definitely at every health food store and some markets as well. Yep. Um, two tablespoons, 180 calories. Bam. Very yeah. small volume, very high yield calorically. Yep. Half an avocado. Uh, smashing the avocado works well. Um, I actually ask my my patients to take something that's easy, relatively easy to digest, like pine nuts. Put mm-hmm. them in a ziploc bag stomp on it with your feet, (laughs) Mm -hmm. crush it, and pour that on, integrate that into your brown rice or your quinoa or anything you're eating, kind of fold it in there, and that's going to yield a very, very high caloric value as well. Little tricks like that Mm -hmm. are extremely helpful and nourishing, and think about it, half a cup or a cup of ice cream gives you about 250, 280.
3: Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. we're
2: pretty and that's a lot more volume than two tablespoons of tahini or four Mm -hmm. tablespoons of crushed pine nuts right
1: right right what what about some of the um some of the supplements that that are sometimes recommended to patients for lost nutrition Uh, i know sometimes folks can maybe only get an insurer or two down a day or they're really struggling and maybe need some of that liquid or what are your Mm -hmm. thoughts about some of those uh, supplements that are sometimes recommended
2: you mean like nutritional supplements, like the insurers and like insure things like that? You know, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, you want to look for these days. Um, it's a pretty competitive market, and yeah. that there are plenty of products that have a lower sugar, uh, that are cleaner, so to speak, that they don't have so many preservatives and additives and color, food coloring. So there, mm-hmm. there are options. I do find it, um, even if it's not as perfect as making your own smoothie. I find it necessary sometimes to keep some of those around so you can just you know open the fridge and sip a, yeah. take a couple sips um, yeah. There is that realistic side of helping patients where you know there's there's an idea about everything being perfect and but there's also the you know i just i can I can only get out of bed to do a couple things and I can reach for something. Uh, convenient, and and that's that's totally fine. Um, so yeah, those those are fine, and um, often people use them to build a smoothie as well. Um, I always provide a lot of shortcuts for uh, making a protein-rich drink yourself um, wow. by keep you know simply blending some protein powder with some unsweetened milk, like a mm-hmm. plant milk of any sort, there's a million on the market at every single like market an, like around an the almond country. almond
1: milk, for example? Oh, like almond. almond,
2: cashew, mm-hmm. coconut. There are mm-hmm. a lot of unsweetened options. They're yeah. not high in protein, but they're a good liquid base. You can add a a, a scoop of um, a good protein powder, again, that doesn't have added sugars and tons of sweeteners or anything like that. And mm-hmm. you just, just blend it. And if you're in the mood you want something a little bit more refreshing? I always have my patients keep a bag of sliced frozen bananas in mm-hmm, the freezer. Mm-hmm, yeah. And the reason frozen is that it gives it a creamy texture.
1: Yeah, and, yeah. Those uh, frozen bananas are great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's here hey, now. Rachel, it's, before we, we've got a break coming up in a couple of minutes, but we reached out to our followers on Facebook and invited them to send in their nutrition questions. And we got a lot of questions. Um, but one Facebook friend asked, um, having to go easy on beans, which we can maybe understand why, and not like yeah. meat, you know, what do you suggest for uh, protein sources? Um, why don't we, why don't we jump in on that? Because uh, we know that that protein piece is important, why don't you answer that question, um, and and then we'll kind of see where our time is on the other end.
2: Sure, um, you know, fish. We direct patients to to have low mercury, high omega-3 fish. That's very easy to digest, like wild salmon or a white fish, or uh, even sardines are really, really probably one of. The, the best fish out there. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, in having a lot of CoQ10, that, that is good for cardiac health. Um, you can also do things like um, watermelon seeds, which are popping up in health food stores everywhere. A third of a cup, 13 and a half grams of protein, so easy to chew and eat. Uh, those type of proteins are great. Um, so there's there's a lot of, different add-ons that you can uh, do as far as easy-to-digest proteins. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to sound too out there, but nutritional yeast, six grams of protein for two tablespoons, everyone's adding it into everything because it it hides really well. So, it's very, very user-friendly and very easy to find online, very inexpensive. Um, Mm -hmm. So... Um, you know, just those, those type of proteins that are easier on Mm -hmm. your system to digest. And just quickly, um, just quickly, Rachel, if
1: I'm somebody who's been eating meat my whole life and I like my meat and I'm not going to be giving that up, any advice on that? Are we just talking about maybe trying to cut back smaller portions, maybe not every day?
2: Yes, it's, it's about cutting back. You can definitely eat, um, a preventative type of diet or, um, um, cancer preventive diet that includes meat, um, I usually tell my patients in that case, two to three times a week, if you can and have access to it, then grass-fed uh, organic meat would be best. And most good. certainly not, the one thing I do ask them to give out is processed meats.
1: Great. Great. That's and fair game. Some,
2: some good tips. Um,
1: this t- is fr- uh, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We've got a lot more to talk about when it comes to nutrition and cancer with Rachel. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back.
4: life your health your network you're listening to voice america health and wellness
0: effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery for the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing how to handle co-workers questions how to get comfortable with new physical realities how to reassure worried family members or explain to friends your priorities have changed
3: Or call 617-733-5848.
4: Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Real Life Solutions. Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: You are listening to Frankly Speaking about Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community.
1: Welcome back to Frankly Speaking about Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Amgen, Bristol Myers Squibb, Insight, and Lilly Oncology. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're talking today to nutritionist Rachel Beller. Rachel Rachel earned her BA from UCLA and registered dietitian nutritionist degree and masters in nutritional science from California State University, Los Angeles. She conducted extensive research in the role of nutrition and cancer prevention at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center. She then served as director of nutritional oncology research and counseling for a decade at the John Wayne Cancer Institute, was the co-principal investigator in the National Women's Intervention Nutrition Study. Along the way, she's received awards for her research, recruitment, lectureship, while learning about the link between body weight, eating habits, and uh, certain cancers. Um, Rachel, I I know that our listeners um, have so many questions. I'm going to get to a couple more of our Facebook questions, uh, in fact. But I want to jump in. We touched a little bit uh, on sugar in the last segment. and, And, you know, that's a huge question uh, that people have, really, as it relates to health um, in general. Uh, you know, I know we've seen documentaries about sugar and how, you know, sugar's listed on labels or not and things like that. Um, but let's talk about cancer specifically. What do we know about the link between sugar and cancer? Does, does sugar feed cancer? Do we cut all sugar out of our diet? Do we do we eat the apple, which has sugar in it, or walk away? What do we know about sugar's effect on the body and about the link between sugar and cancer? Does
2: every... Every single cell in our body needs sugar in order to survive. There's no mm. bypassing that. That's a fact. And if we don't get sugar from a whole grain or that apple that you mentioned, your body's going to resort to breaking down all important protein, which is you know that, that, that's comprised of enzymes and and uh, you know things that we use for our hair, muscles, nails, and, and or we'll get it from fat. And so it's it's going to make more glucose, more sugar, in order to give cells, good cells, uh, cancer cells, energy to survive and thrive. So, 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 that is a fact. Now, should you walk away from that apple? No. It's really about understanding how to modulate your sugars, how to balance. It's a balancing act. Mm-hmm. And if you're, my advice to my patients is to, yes, to give up added sugars. And maybe not drink juices. In the fact that they have a lot of sugar, that's going to, you know, that's going to create a lot of uh, insulin production, which triggers insulin growth factor one, which causes, you know, there's inflammation in the body. That's not a good idea. But, but it's very important to understand how to combine your food. How does your food work together? For example, if you're going to eat raspberries. Yes, they naturally have sugar. And a lot of my patients come into my office fearful to eat the raspberries. Now, the important thing is to understand that yes, indeed, they have natural sugars, but they also have natural fibers. Put those mm-hmm. two together, and you've got a good situation where your blood sugars, in, you know, you don't have this surge going on. Add a few raw almonds to that snack. Now mm-hmm. you've got natural sugar, fiber, fat, healthy fat, protein, put all those components together and you also have this perfect situation where things are in control. So it's really about controlling your blood sugars and understanding Mm -hmm. how to put things together and eating uh, an apple that yields, that has fiber in it versus having apple juice, there is absolutely no comparison Mm
4: -hmm, um, when mm -hmm. you introduce
2: both into the body. So Mm
4: -hmm.
2: it's really about having that control and not being fearful of these foods that actually if you eliminate them, it it could harm you. You want to protect your body. You want to give it things that are going to um, protect you. So um, it's a loaded question, it. and it's it's yeah. really one yep. on everybody's mind. But it's really mm-hmm. understanding and working with your dietitian to create a nutrition plan that is going to uh, uh, offer that sense of stability in your body.
1: Yeah, Rachel, let's let's switch to souping. I know you're a big fan of souping. Mm-hmm. Talk to our listeners about what that is and what that means.
2: Oh, I love souping on so many different uh, fronts. Um, If I have patients who have experienced unintentional weight gain after their treatment, souping is a great way to uh, get into a plan that gives you meals that are very, you know, they're controlled, they're right there, they're convenient. If you're having digestive issues during your treatment, souping is a great way to get so many nutrients in a way that's easy for your body to digest. So, for example, eating... um, raw butternut squash or raw vegetables might be too overwhelming on your body. But if you're uh, creating a soup and you're pureeing it, it's a lot more digestible and uh, tolerable. So you can really get a lot of nutrients while you're retaining the fibers, but it's just a lot more user-friendly and friendlier on your body. Um, so it's, it really works on so many different fronts to um to offer that sense of convenience also um it's extremely affordable when i soup um i make a batch on a sunday i've got lunches assuming i'm not going out which i try not to monday tuesday wednesday i have got a jar in my office and i am happy I've, i have my meals and they're nutritionally balanced and easy so it's um and it costs pennies
1: yeah 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 Talk to me, Rachel, about fiber. First of all, for our listeners, you know, if you could tell us what is fiber, what are some good sources of fiber, and what's the importance of fiber in the diet?
2: Fiber is, um, I like to describe fiber as like your internal cleaning crew, so to speak. Yep. It's, it's, like yep. a, it's like a spa team uh, in, mm-hmm. in your body. A lot of patients will ask about detox. Detox this. I heard about this detox and I always revert them back to food, really. Mm-hmm. There's insoluble mm-hmm. fiber, which um, is is considered um, roughage, like beans and uh, whole wheat and lentils and vegetables. Um, and then there's soluble fiber that um, acts... So, so, the, so insoluble fiber is like, imagine a sponge, a, a scrubby brush, and it's brushing your insides. And then as it's doing that cleaning mechanism, it's releasing um, potentially harmful compounds, uh, hormones like cholesterol. And then soluble fiber is basically uh, like a sponge and it grabs that stuff and escorts Mm -hmm. it out of the body. And that's a natural way to, to Clean your body, I guess, would be uh, a good way to put it in a in a way that's real and whole food based. Uh, Fiber also helps regulate your blood sugars. It helps prevent heart disease. Um, It's it's good on so many different fronts. Now, most people know that fiber is good for them. They know we've been hearing about it. It's on labels and everything. But what's interesting when I do an average uh, diet history, or when I was doing it in the research setting as well. Most people are averaging 50% of what's recommended. They mm-hmm. average, the average American gets 11 to 15 grams. Mm-hmm. 3% of Americans meet the recommended fiber goal. Mm-hmm. And I started to think, like, what's going on? But if you look at produce, you look at how much produce would it take to meet the goal of 30, 35 grams that I like to recommend – no. You'd have to eat nine huge bowls of spinach salad with, with different veggies in it.
1: Mm.
2: It's a little overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, I
1: should um, say. Yeah.
2: Yes. So, so that's where people are uh, falling short. In, and so my recommendation is to establish a game plan. And my ultimate recommendation is to have everyone look at their breakfast tomorrow morning and really figure out how much fiber are you getting. If you can get yourself to about 10, 12 grams of fiber before you walk out the door, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. That, along with that salad and fruit as a snack and, a, and, a, and some vegetables at dinner, that's assuming you're tolerating. You're in a good, you know, post-treatment. There are no issues. Right, sure. um, right, 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 Then, you know, if you have to take a break during treatment, that's not a big deal at all. Don't sweat right. that. It's not what you do sometimes. It's what you do most of the time, and it's something that you, that's, that's, what you're looking to embark on. And but, so
1: just so we're clear for our listeners, Rachel, tell us, we've got a couple minutes until our break here, but g- give us some, give us some good sources of fiber. We can have at sort of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Give us some examples.
2: Oh, absolutely. So um, something, a clean and natural, um, like a, a baked sweet potato with um, people put like little chia seeds or flax seeds. That's a great fiber booster that you can find anywhere. Um, That will give you a good 10 grams of fiber right there. You could do uh, oatmeal or quinoa even with a little bit of chia seeds or some nuts and some berries. That will give you a good 10. Um, I always have people upgrade it with some soothing spices like cinnamon, uh, great for digestion, great for blood sugar regulation as well. Um, And then at lunch, you know, having a, a salad or having a soup, a vegetable soup, uh, with some protein and healthy fat, that's another great meal. Um, uh, Ten nuts and an apple, banana, uh, great source of fiber for um, a snack. And then dinner, some roasted veggies, um, maybe some quinoa and uh, and a protein. And you you should be pretty much there. There'll probably be one other snack during the day, but that's really about uh, uh, how you do it. But breakfast is key, and you'll see a bowl of oatmeal only delivers four grams. Mm-hmm. So you really have to focus on those add-ons and what is it that you can create to make that habit to get to that 10. And, and so things, once you like, things like your chia go-to
1: seeds and plant. flax seeds you can get in the supermarket.
2: Oh yeah. flaxseed you can find anywhere online. It's so easy. Chia seeds are everywhere. Every warehouse store, ev- any anywhere, Walmart, anywhere.
1: Right. Terrific. Terrific. Excellent. Uh, We're getting some great nutritional tips from Rachel Beller. We're talking about uh, cancer and nutrition. Uh, We're getting some great uh, nutritional tips from Rachel, depending on your different stages of cancer, what some of your uh, dietary and nutritional goals may be. We've got so much more to discuss with Rachel. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're just going to take a quick break here. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
4: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
3: Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help.
4: Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials.
3: Help with finances and access to care. All behind you Break Breakaway from Cancer created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer.
4: Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaides, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Communities. Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day.
3: Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy.
0: You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tebaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community.
1: Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tebaldo. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by uh, Agios, Celgene, Azi, Gilead Sciences, and Health and Therapeutics. We're so lucky to have with us nutritionist Rachel Beller to help us sort through fact from fiction where food and cancer are concerned. Known as America's Get Real nutritionist, Rachel is a two-time best-selling author who's appeared on The Rachel Ray Show, CNN, ABC, World News Tonight, um, just to name a few. Hey, Rachel, I'm going to do a little bit of a lightning round because I have a lot of lot of uh, waterfront that I want to cover here with you for our um, listeners. Let me, let me start with a... Quick question about, we see these commercials talking about probiotics and prebiotics and and, and gut health. And can you explain what these are and how good, quote unquote, gut health helps with cancer prevention?
2: Sure. I mean, I I explain to my patients to um, think of their gut as they would a garden and how you treat it is exactly how things, it's going to affect how things grow. Now, there's prebiotics and prebiotics are, they help the good bacteria grow. And they come from food sources like whole grains, oats, uh, your more greenish bananas, apples, avocados, garlic, onion, edamame. And then there's probiotics. Probiotics replenish the good bacteria that's already growing in your gut. And food sources of that would be like a miso or a sauerkraut that's refrigerated that's live and active. Um, you see a lot of kombucha drinks you just have to watch the sugar on those. Mm-hmm. Um, certain spices actually have been shown there's some some human trials that are looking at spices also helping with you know good gut bacteria but really um, focusing on on having these whole foods that help, nourish your gut is very, very important. One of the things we don't think about, because we're always looking for the supplement and s- solutions like that, is really to go back and look at, well, what causes dysbiosis, which is um, abnormal gut bacteria? Um, sugar, having a lot of simple sugars from added sugars um, that you're adding to coffee and things like that, that causes um, uh, an unfavorable conditions in your gut. A fiber mm-hmm. helps you uh, so the whole thing we talked about fiber, that helps promote good gut health, uh, keeping trim and managing a good weight status is important as well. Processed foods also cause a lot of dysbiosis. So really looking at that big picture diet, you know, your, what you choose mm-hmm. to put in your body affects your gut health. Like an, and like an ecosystem. ecosystem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is.
1: Absolutely. Let me jump in. Absolutely. Um, how does your garden grow, um, Rachel? Let me jump ahead to um, to soy, and soy-based foods. Are soy-based foods dangerous to women with a history of, of breast cancer? Should they be avoided? What do we know about soy soy foods?
2: Now, if if you look at all the research post two thousand and nine, it supports that whole soy, meaning not powders, not supplements, not isolated compounds. The real wholesome organic. Uh, Edamame soy is actually protective for women with a history, uh, mm-hmm. even estrogen receptor positive. Mm-hmm. Studies show that um, they do not promote breast cancer. Um, so and it can actually help women, you know, thrivers. So um, that's something that uh, we used to limit and say, you know, don't have it more than two to three times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's no longer that. But having said that, I wouldn't recommend obsessing and going crazy. Like even though broccoli's so good for us, I wouldn't have four cups of it a day every single day. So, but no, it's not harmful at all, and has been found to actually be protective. Um, and so, so that's that's an important one, um, yeah. and and I, I find it a lot more protective than some other protein sources that you might uh, substitute wholesome soy for.
1: Got it, got it. Um, now this is this is one that I know will perk up the ears of our listeners. Alcohol. <laughs> what do we know about the link between alcohol and cancer? I know sometimes uh-huh. we read studies that say, oh, a glass of wine is you know is good for you. Um, what do we know about? Uh, alcohol and cancer, and um, and how do we look at maybe heart alcohol versus wine, and are there differences there?
2: Um, you know, look, resveratrol um, from red wine is protective for heart health. It's really I I ask my patients, you know, it's more about family history, and what are your risk factors um, for heart health? Yes, red wine has been shown to be protective for uh, for cancer. It's it's clearly different, and so the American Institute for Cancer Research, um, if you have a personal or family strong family history, recommends for women not to drink alcohol, Um, and there there's a lot a lot of research correlating alcohol to uh, cancer, and um, you know saying maybe one a day um, if you don't have a family history for women and two a day for men, but um, there's just a lot mounting research um, connecting the dots between alcohol and uh, cancer. The exact mechanism of action is still semi-unclear, but Mm -hmm. study after study after study, it keeps resurfacing, and it's not fun to share that with anyone. Um mm-hmm. and then there's also the weight factor, you know, some people watching their waistline, and um you know those calories do add up um so there' there' are different angles, and you know weight gain uh, is being overweight is associated with increased cancer risk, there's no denying that, so it all it all kind of falls into this umbrella of moderation
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then what about what about dairy Rachel, what do we know about? About dairy and any connection to cancer, and um, you know, I know for a lot of folks who do try to maybe be, you know, vegetarian and stay away from the animal meat, the dairy is an important source of protein for them. But tell us what we know about dairy.
2: Ah, dairy. I mean, there is there aren't any studies directly correlating dairy to cancer. We just don't have that. Yeah. Yeah. Having said that, there are some concerns about um, the. Hormones, growth factors, insulin growth factor one that is fat soluble that's in in the fat of dairy. So we're trying to avoid ingesting hormones, but they're there and but there's still no studies correlating that it's a fact that, you know, making that strong, strong connection. So um, it's kind of one of those things where it's like one foot in, one foot out. A lot of my patients opt to avoid dairy just for that, um, in that it's the same reason people used to avoid soy. Why would they avoid it? Because of the hormones, which are thousands of times weaker than uh, animal-based hormones. But again, it's about, uh, we don't have a clear answer on that to say that there's a strong correlation. So it's something that we do limit. The good news is that um, um, there is some research saying that um, when you're creating Greek yogurt or kefir, um, that um, some of those insulin growth factors, some of the hormones are actually removed through that process. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the, if you're going to have dairy, those are probably the best sources. Um, so... I'm sorry, I don't have an exact clear answer on it, sure. but it's one sure. that is keeps resurfacing and it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be an ongoing conversation.
1: And, and, and maybe back to the moderation point, right? Um, that seems Absolutely. to be the recurring theme. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Listen, we yeah. know, Rachel, that a lot of folks dealing with uh, cancer have uh, issues with nausea um, from their treatment, from their cancer as a side effect. Um, a couple tips for... Some, some natural and, and, and food based ways to deal, with, uh, to deal with nausea. I mean, I know sometimes folks say, Look, I just, the thought of a salad right now just is not, uh, n- uh, not what's turning me on, you know, and I need something. No. I need some carbs or I need some crackers or I need some, you know, something to help settle that. What, what can you tell us some tips for dealing with nausea?
2: Yes. And, and the most important thing I tell my patients is to realize that sometimes you need a little bit of a time off to deal with the yeah. side effect and not to over guilt on that. Um, yeah. You might resort to things that you normally would not resort to, like right. that uh, right. sticky rice that's um, soaked in miso soup. Um, that's very soothing, and you may, you know, normally not eat the white rice, but in this case. Um, yeah. But it's it's very important to um, to go with the to give in to bland foods sometimes to to, to deal with nausea, um, to eat more chilled foods, colder, fresher foods, things that don't have strong aroma. Um, Drinking lots of fluids. Ginger is extremely, extremely helpful. I ask patients to make a little um, AM riser ginger drink by cutting fresh slices of ginger and letting it simmer in water for 15, 20 minutes and drinking that throughout the day. Very, very helpful. Um, there's also like, uh, different popsicles that we'll recommend, like a lemon ginger popsicle. That's very soothing. You basically simmering some, uh, lemon, some sliced ginger, just a touch of maple, um, chamomile tea, and then putting them in popsicle molds and having those. Mm. Um, mm. so there are a lot of like little, you know, solutions that, um, and tips that we give, uh, patients using, using a room diffuser. Um, that that has a nice aroma to it. So um, nausea is very challenging, very, very challenging. And it's challenging for people around to to really understand what that feels like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I know it is a common... Certainly a common side effect that we are, you know, even in, the, even in the age of more improved treatments and more targeted treatments, it's certainly one, uh, you know, one that we're hearing about. Um, Rachel, we've only got about a quick minute until our break, but can, can you just quickly touch on, we hear a lot about superfoods, antioxidants. Can you just take a quick minute to tell us what those are, what we need to know about, about that?
2: Um, a- a- antioxidants, they, they protect ourselves from from, from, mm-hmm. from damage. And um, antioxidants come into question a lot during treatment in, you know, should I be avoiding antioxidants? Should I be avoiding them as far as even the foods that I'm eating? Um, During radiation, during chemotherapy, there are some supplements that are recommended that you just discontinue uh, because they're highly concentrated. But uh, antioxidants from food... Fantastic. You're, you want to eat foods that are going to support your body and, mm-hmm. um, and, and they're not going to promote inflammation and disruption. And, you know, processed mm-hmm. foods have a lot of foreign elements. So, yep. um, you know, good, solid, uh, protective foods, nothing in extreme measures, yep. uh, high quantities of one thing concentrated, um, good balance Great. of antioxidants. Great, Great advice. It's definitely. Great okay. advice.
1: This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm talking with oncology nutritionist Rachel Beller. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
0: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed.
3: Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit mealtrain.com/mmt and enter the code Magnolia B, or visit us at
4: cancersupportcommunity.org. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community.
1: You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is brought to you in part Janssen Oncology, Pharma, Taiho Oncology, and Takeda Oncology. I'm your host, Kim Teboldo, and we've been talking uh, to Rachel Beller, oncology nutritionist. We've been having a great conversation about how to think about and approach some of the nutritional issues and goals that folks have during cancer treatment and beyond in in, uh, the post-treatment survivorship phase. Um, I would love to hear from you, Rachel, about why you decided to get into this work. What inspired you to become uh, a nutritionist and maybe talk a, a little bit for a minute or two about some of the things that you're doing specifically to help patients. I know you have a program called Power Perks uh, Thrive Maybe you can uh, dig in on that a little bit, but tell us a little bit more about what inspired you to this work
2: well it 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 all started my my father uh, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and um, at the time I was studying nutrition I was interning at cedar Sinai and I just first hand experienced what it was like to be lost, completely mm. lost in looking for some answers, some some ways in which to cope with the treatment. And um, and we, we did. My mom and I, I remember my brothers and I, my mom, we were all looking for, you know, should he take shark cartilage? And we neighbors were telling us about different things. And I it literally was living through that where do I get Credible information. Who can help guide us through the side effects? How do we increase his his protein intake and manage the symptoms? And and again, we weren't looking for a cure, but we were looking for management help. You know how to how to direct like that way's you know navigation. So that really inspired me to turn some of my pain into possibilities and to Mm -hmm. really help others going through this. Um, I also. Landed uh, a job doing research, uh, working on the Women's Intervention Nutrition Study, looking at uh, prevention of recurrence of breast cancer, which delved more into the oncology space and breast health, and really helping women um, understand how to find some solutions, and and it really went into something I didn't have with my father, which was post-treatment solutions. Mm-hmm. women that I I know I if I close my eyes I can see that look on their face of mm-hmm. telling their doctor now what and um some women actually were um believe it or not a lot of women gain weight during breast cancer treatment chemotherapy and the oncologist says you know well, one of the things you, you could do to help with your survivorship is to um, get your weight in check um, and maintain a healthy weight. And sometimes that means having to, to embark on a, on a program that, that will help with that. So that inspired um, me to work on, on that angle and looking at that. And I started to help all these women, and I realized – maybe there's a way for me to uh, connect with more women by offering mm-hmm. an online program where women all over the world can actually get evidence-based information, get some guidance on how to accomplish uh, some strategies. So that's where Power Perks Thrive came in, to establish a community for breast cancer thrivers. And it's a powerful online program that gives them step-by-step guides of you know what to eat and and how to structure if they need to lose some weight, how to structure that if they need to maintain a healthy weight, how do you how do you do that uh, in regards to portion control and things like that? We give videos and uh, private face group, and really trying to build that community of support. Um, as you mentioned in the beginning, you know it's very very important to understand um, different. People have different, um, different ways about going things. Some women are, mm. you know, I really only want to eat plant-based and I want to be vegan. Some people want to add fish and eggs. Some people don't want to give up that uh, meat. So we offer three different types of programs. They're mm. all geared towards the same goal, which is putting women on a healthy path and uh, combining breast cancer prevention strategies, evidence-based, along with, um, you know, encouraging uh, weight management skills as mm-hmm. well because it's, it's it's a struggle. And I, I think I have
1: to say, I, I mentioned earlier, Rachel, that our data shows that this is one of the top, I'm just going to tell you consistently, one of the top three things that people want more information on is nutrition. And I, I think that a big part of that is there's so much in your cancer journey that's out of your control. And I feel like this is an area where you can have some control, where 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 patients can really be empowered to to learn and to make choices and to think about the, those choices every day and how it makes them healthier, but also how it makes them feel. Um, yes. And you know, just give them more energy. Does it help with managing the nausea? Do you do you find that that this becomes a very empowering uh, action for patients?
2: Extremely empowering, and I always remind patients to think about not not eating this way or. Uh, for how and or in fear of it coming back, really focus on how are you feeling eating this way today and mm-hmm. the evidence that we know because there aren't any there aren't any guarantees we know to the best that we know from the evidence that we see in nutrition what are the things that you can incorporate that um, are just a great idea and big perk is that you're also feeling more energized. You're reducing inflammation in your body. You're feeling that difference. And what you said is just right on point is that sense of empowerment. You're feeling, it's a very powerful thing. Yeah. And, um, and if you know what you're doing, you know how to drive the car, you know where you're going, you feel good about it. Of course, there are bumps along the road. You don't need to be perfect. I do encourage food vacays, for my patients, um, you know, to, to take a little break and, and, and to, um, explore different types of foods. It's really what you do most of the time, not sometimes. And finding the evidence-based approach, uh, is very difficult these days because there's so yeah. much out there and so many things kind of can make sense, but really, yeah. Yeah. um, yeah, it's important to close your eyes and visualize yourself opening it. in a year from now, opening up your eyes, and can you sustain uh, what it is that you're thinking about or somebody suggested?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and it just helps to set those goals and, you know, have, uh, you know, lots of room for improvement. And, I, you know, um, we, uh, we're we getting to the end of our show here, um, Rachel. I, I just, I, I do think that, you um, you know, like you said, today's a new day. You wake up and you have the opportunity to make some better choices and, and uh, to take some control back and to be, uh, to be empowered. Um, we have a quick minute left, Rachel, just uh, advice for someone who's just been diagnosed with cancer. Maybe they're finishing their treatment um, and maybe they, they have some nutritional goals and maybe they want the, You know, they see the opportunity to use food as part of their their care and part of their healing and, and uh, part of their next steps. Just a couple quick tips if uh, someone's just listening and, and is on that journey now.
2: Um, I I really would start, there's a lot, but I really would start with um, uh, a clean approach to eating, is Mm -hmm. to basically stick to natural, wholesome foods. Uh, Mm -hmm. People go with routes of the expensive supplements and different things, but really focus. Go back to the basics, to the roots. Think of it as like if you're building a house mm-hmm. and you want a strong foundation. What would it look like? You're going to lay a strong foundation with uh, as tolerated of, of fresh produce and good solid proteins and things mm. that you know what they are. You know exactly what yeah. they are. quinoa is quinoa (laughs) Um, you know things like that really wholesome things and don't sweat the small stuff you know people ask can I eat a banana because it has a lot of sugar? When there's so many other things that need probably some cleanup in in one's diet. Yeah. So um, yeah. you know, keep it basic, keep it real, and keep it realistic. Love it. Um, Love it. You know, when you're thinking about these uh, these yeah. things, you know, do you want to be vegan? Do you want to be pesco vegetarian? What what route suits you that you can do? Either way, you can build a good cancer Outst- protective
1: diet. Outstanding, outstanding. Rachel, thank you so much. We've so enjoyed having you on the show. Uh, please visit Rachel's website at bellernutrition.com and visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. Uh, we've got a whole host of free services and, and, and beautiful centers around the country. Many of them do provide uh, nutritional programs and services. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tabledo. Until next time, be well, do well, live well.